hello. This today is Sunday, December 30th, 2012. Uh, today we're going to talk about pluggable authentication modules and two-factor authentication with SSH. Um, today is going to be, uh, hopefully, uh, I hope I'll make it as colorful as possible. Uh, this is, I think, sometimes a dry topic. Um, but uh, if, you know, any feedback or any questions or if you guys have uh, any information about what I cover here today, um, just contact me uh, via my email address. Um, that's Beto at haven'tfoundme.com. Again, that's Beto at haven'tfoundme.com. Um, and uh, that's B-E-T-O, Beto. Um, so today uh, we're going to cover Debian and Red Hat-based systems. Um, I'm using CentOS and Debian as my uh, in, in my lab I guess you could say or as my base and um, I have an Android device as well as a iOS device a iPhone 4s and a Galaxy uh, a Galaxy S3 a few things that if you guys want to do before um, before we start off is uh, just go ahead and go to the Google Play Store or the iOS App Store and download the Google Authenticator app um, that app is going to help you later on when we're going to need it to import our, our our verification profiles so that we can authenticate to our uh, SSH server. Um, so uh, FYI, any files that we configure today, um, I highly recommend that you back them up first. Uh, usually what you can do is um, just rename like copy the file and you know copy it with the file name and end it with like a dot old so like today we're gonna mess with a file called uh, in the uh, etsy pan.d sshd um, and I would just basically just rename just copy it and name it sshd.old you know that's only because um, pluggable authentication modules uh, can really screw up your system um, you basically can lock yourself out of your system. Um, so the most important thing right now is just remember what you did um, uh, to what application and to what file so that if you do have to reboot and go into run level one and you know do all that, you can um, you can do it without you know you can do that and and go ahead and just you know restore from backup versus you know having to have to reinstall an entire operating system because I really hate that I would really hate for that to happen to you so um, if you're configuring a server that you have no physical access to um, I would highly recommend that you have two simultaneous SSH connections to the server um, and go ahead and uh, go ahead and authenticate as root. You don't have to SSH as root. You can just you know SSH as your normal user, and then just you know sudo or su as your um, as a root user. And make sure both of them are logged in as root user. And to ensure that they don't log themselves out because of timeout or whatever, just you know do like a quick you know man ifconfig like pull up a uh, open up a file in vi or something you know. Just to make sure that you have uh, two 
connections to one server that you're going to me be messing around with the SSH configurations to, um, because if you do, um, if you do mess up, you know, at least what, you know, as long as you don't log off or your internet connection doesn't get severed or anything like that, um, you can just, you know, restore like that. So, and, and this is something you can do even if it's a local server too. just have, you know, two SSH connections set up and, you know, you'll be good to go anyway. So given that, you know, go ahead and uh, just to just to give us a overview of, of PAM and uh, SSH and and uh, Google Authenticator, you know, just to put it all in a 30,000 foot view or in one package, however you want to say it. Um, the biggest thing is that PAM or pluggable authentication modules allow you to authenticate to your Linux system um, and, and Unix and it's it's there too as PAM but in other in other uh, Nix systems it may be it may not be they may not be dependent on PAM but you can you can implement PAM which is really cool um, other like AIX you know they use like uh, methods.config uh, but you can still implement pluggable authentication modules into the primary uh, authentication settings for the system. But anyway, on Debian and, and CentOS specifically, um, what you have is PAM, uh, pluggable authentication modules. Um, and what we're going to work with, we're going to work with a specific module today called the Google Authenticator module. And we're going to work with a specific application, which is SSH, uh, SSHD or SSH, or Open SSH Server, however you want to classify it. But um, on my system, it's Open SSH and um, but it's labeled as SSHD in the um, in the Etsy slash PAM dot D slash uh, SSHD file. So um, that's the big overall. Is uh, we're going to be using one module uh, and we're going to use uh, one application. You could use tons of other applications. You can use Samba, su sudo. Um, you can use login. You can use uh, GDM. Uh, you can use a lot of other applications defined in your forward slash Etsy forward slash PAM dot D directory. Um, and you know you can use this. You can use different modules too. There's the Windbind module from Wasamba. There's a you know there's there's the Parada one-time pad module that you can use similar it's similar to this Google Authenticator a little slightly different in, in, um, in some ways though but again uh, there are many different modules and then there are many different applications so <clears throat> basically what this creates um, uh, is a chain uh, what you're doing basically is if you have several different modules you can create a chain of authentication settings that will basically uh, allow a user to authenticate to a system um, which will require them to input specific authentication uh, credentials. So in this case, what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to implement SSH with the Google to with the Google Authenticator and um, when we SSH to a box, we'll have to input a six-digit uh, verification code generated from our Android or iOS device. Um, and that's really cool. 
from a security perspective, from a, you know, ease of use, from a, you know, a, a lot of different perspectives, that's really neat because you'll basically be able to use a trusted device on an unreliable network to get to, to authenticate via SSH to a trusted and a trusted uh, destination. And, and that's really good. You know, that's really useful. <clears throat> uh, other scenarios too, you could use this on an unreliable or untrusted de device. Um, uh, it's just the problem with that is key loggers, but you know, it is a good, uh, it is a good uh, method to conceal your system credentials. Because remember, your system credentials, uh, once a user has access to your system, if you, if a user has system, if they have the ability to, you know, to access your system somehow, you know, whether it's physically or, or some other, some other method, you know, like using, you know, when using a, a Webmin or something like that, or LDAP or something where your system credentials uh, allow you to like surrogate as a root user, you know, that's a problem um, because, you know, you're just going to get, you know, once they've got physical access, it's done, you know, the game is over. But if it's a remote user and, you know, they're able to actually get a shell prompt on your net, on your, on your device, you know, system credentials is going to what be needed in order to, uh, to surrogate as, as a root user. But again, like I said, if you wanted to, to surrogate to, to sudo or su as, um, and that system, you could implement the Google Authenticator to do that. So you could inevitably have uh, your verification code be required every time your pass, every time you prompted for a password, system wide. Um, it's up to your discretion. It's up to you how you want to implement this. I'm simply implementing it from you know to use it via SSH because I feel that I'm always going to be using a trusted device. If I ever find myself using an untrusted device, you know, I'll I guess I'll have to reconsider some things or maybe use an on-screen keyboard or something, you know, but again, you know, it's this is a really good first step to, you know, opening up a lot of other methods of protecting yourself and your system and, and all these other things that we have.
the couple couple things that are you're gonna need is um a uh, couple things to understand is we backed up our files we've got simultaneous connections um, and we know what we want to implement this at so right now we're gonna implement it with SSH um, on Debian systems uh, one thing that I have to point out uh, is that your there's a common auth configure authentication setting that you may have to disable it's up to you again up to your discretion um, and that's simply because if it's not disabled in the SSHD configuration file um, which which exists in, in your forward slash Etsy forward slash Pam dot D um, if you don't disable that then if when you implement the Google Authenticator uh, pluggable Pam module it's gonna prompt you for the verification code, but then it's gonna ask you for your your Unix account password. Um, again, this goes back to the whole, you know, you know, what, how many levels or layers of security you want to implement, and you know, what what do you want to do ultimately? So, anyway, uh, <clears throat> on CentOS, there is this doesn't exist, so you'll simply just implement the Google Authenticator to the top of your authentication chain, and that's it you know that's all you need also keep in mind that you don't have to have the Google Authenticator as like the only thing that to authenticate your system as I said you could have your your you can have your system credentials be prompted for or you can use another uh, another another layer uh, of, of one-time passwords where you know or some other uh, PAM module that requires or act, asks for your credential information. You know, like I said, PAM is very neat, is very good, is very is very flexible because you know you're you're creating a series of authentication events um, that are either sufficient, required, um, or or just you know looked over in a sense. You know, they're not they they may not even be needed or something. But 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 what I guess what I'm trying to explain is if you want to have multiple layers of credentials that you have to enter mandatory in order to access a system you can do it and and that's you know that's ultimately that, that that's that's um, what I'm getting at um anyway so going back to this uh, it's it's a few simple steps um, what you're gonna need on your system you're gonna need GCC installed Git, and you're gonna need make um, these are development tools uh, need, required uh, for this implementation of the Google Authenticator um, because ultimately what you're doing is you're going to be cloning the Git repository of the Google Authenticator. Then you're going to be, um, that Git repository actually includes the uh, iOS and uh, iOS, Android, and Blackberry applications, um, which here's a little neat little trick if you're doing Android development. You might be able to actually run this Android application on your desktop, so you kind of, in a sense, have a desktop uh, client. But you know, that's you know, for Android developers or even iOS developers, if you know, they want to run the iOS app in, on their on, on their Mac. Um, anyway, so in that in that Git repository that you're gonna clone, um, it's gonna include the it's gonna include the uh, the smartphone applications as well as the 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 
the PAM libraries that you need to compile, which create the pluggable authentication module. Anyway, so after you run a git command, uh, it's going to be like a git clone https colon forward slash forward slash code.google.com forward slash p forward slash google dash authenticator. Uh, again, all this information is going to be on the show notes. All this, all the links and all the commands, they're all going to be in the show notes. Um, so you're going to run this command. Uh, you're going to clone the repo. Um, and d d make sure you do this in like a good working directory, like, a, you know, in your downloads or in your documents or somewhere in a, a home directory where, you know, it's not scattered somewhere. Um, so just make sure you change directories before you run this git command because it'll clone it wherever your present working directory is at. Um, after you do that, you're going to clone it. You're going to change directories into the libpam directory inside the Google Authenticator uh, development files. Uh, and then um, from there, you're going to run a command called make space install. And this basically creates um, and installs the uh, pluggable authentication module. Uh, the cool part is that they've upgraded it so that in the past you actually had to manually move and change the uh, permissions and the ownership of the of the of the uh, application and the file and the and the PAM module to the appropriate directories. You don't even have to do that anymore. Um, you just run make install uh, and that's it. It'll it'll create the it'll compile it'll co create compile and move everything and install everything that you need in the appropriate directories um, the uh, the next part is going to be the important part because however you wish to implement the Google Authenticator um, is going to be up to your discretion me I'm simply going to use the Google Authenticator for SSH access um, so in order to do that I'm gonna on my Debian system I'm gonna go to Etsy slash on my Debian and Red Hat system I'm gonna go to uh, forward slash I'm gonna open I'm gonna use my text my favorite text editor nano vi whatever and I'm gonna go vi space forward slash Etsy forward slash pam pam dot d forward slash sshd that's gonna open up the ssh authentication settings what you can simply do is on the very on line on the second line or the very the very top of that file doesn't matter the very very top of first line of that file um, you're gonna type in auth a u t h hit the tab key required hit the tab key pam p a m underscore google underscore authenticator dot s o save it now on your Debian system if you're running a Debian system look down around line number 10 11 or 12 around there you're gonna look at a, a line at, at a stanza that begins with an at symbol and it, it says at include space common dash auth what this does is it includes the common authentication uh, modules in the common off file that's in the same directory that the sshd uh, files in what i'm gonna do is i'm actually going to put a pound sign in front of the uh, i'm gonna put a i'm gonna 
at the start of that line where the at sign symbol is at, I'm gonna put a pound sign there to comment that line out because I do not want to. I don't. I don't want to include the comment off. If this is, if someone has, you know, if if you guys feel that that's wrong or you know I'm crazy or something like that, just shoot me an email, Beto at haven'tfoundme.com, and let me know, and you know I can let others know that you know, hey, this is this is why it's good to have um, the comment off included. Now, some will say that it's good to have the comment off included because then if the verification code fails. Or for some reason, you know, it's failing on your phone, or you've got to get to that system in a hurry. Um, uh, you can break the chain by instead of making the Google Authenticator a requirement, you make it uh, sufficient. And what that is is, you know, it's not required, but if you put it, if 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 you put the correct verification code in, it'll work. But then the common off will kick in. That's if we don't. Uh, that's if we don't comment the comment off out. Basically, what that means is, if I make the Google Authenticator sufficient, uh, if I put the wrong code in, I will still be required to put in my system credentials, and I will still be allowed access to the system. Um, what I'm doing is, I'm making the Google Authenticator the only thing that gives me the ability to SSH to my box. Um, so depending, it's up to, it's upon your discretion how you want to implement this. Um, so you can make the, the Google Authenticator sufficient and common off will, you know, will still kick in. Or you can actually make the Google Authenticator required and still be required to put in your system credentials. You know, there's plus sides and, 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 and downsides to this. All up to your discretion. Alright, so I'm going to comment out or just even delete it. But I commented out, comment off, the, the at include space comment off. Alright, so now my SSHD file is configured. My, uh, my Google Authenticator is in place. And the last thing I need to do now is the two la the two last things I have to do now is I have to configure my SSH server and I have to restart my SSH server as well. And I actually have to uh, generate my Google Authenticator uh, profile so that I can import that to my phone. So those three things instead of two things, three things. Um, uh, so the next part is to go into my sshd underscore config file which is located on the Debian uh, Red Hat system or, or CentOS it's going to be in your forward slash etsy forward slash ssh forward slash sshd underscore config alright in this in this file is your uh, ssh configuration now in a later in, in another in another uh, episode I would like to uh, go over hard, hardening your um, SSH server um, because there are some things that you can do to you know to to make your SSH server a little more secure and a little more up to date uh, and but we'll go that in another another episode in this in this show all we're gonna all we're concerned about in the file in the SSHD underscore config 
file, which is also your SSH server configuration file. Um, all we're concerned about is one stanza. Um, go ahead and open up the, this file with your favorite text editor as root as a root user or as a privileged user, and you're going to change the challenge response authentication stanza. It should be set to no. What you want to do is change that no to a yes. After you change the no to a yes, the next step is to restart your SSH server. In order to restart your SSH server on Debian or uh, CentOS, you will um, make sure, oh yeah, when you change that stanza, challenge, response, authentication to yes, make sure you um, make sure you backed up that file first and then uh, save that after you change that stanza to yes. After you've saved the file, what you want to do is restart the SSH server. Remember what I said, you must make sure you're connected to your box right now via SSH. Make sure that you have more than one SSH connection and make sure that those connections are logged in as a privileged user so that if you have to roll back settings you can roll them back. So in order to restart SSH you simply type in service space SSH space restart. On CentOS I believe it's service space SSHD space restart. So on your Debian system it's SSH, on your CentOS system it's SSHD. Alright, the last thing we have to do now. Let's generate our Google Authenticator profile for, for the user that we want to use um, the Google Authentication with. So let's go ahead and SU if you're root right now, which you should be, SU space and type in the username you want to set up the Google profile for. Um, so now you should have that user set up. Now if this user's uh, path isn't set up for user bin local I believe, um, what, what you would have to do then is just type in the absolute path to, uh, to the Google Authenticator application. Um, and in order to do that, I believe you can, um, I believe what you can do is, uh, well, I believe what you can do as the root user is just type in where is space Google dash authenticator and that'll give you the absolute path to the application on my system and more than likely on everyone else's system because of the, the git clone is slash user slash local slash bin slash google authenticator um, you've only had to do this if the user's path is not set up so just you know fyi so as the user that you want to ssh as you go ahead and the user that you you are these are two two important things before you do this make sure the user can was able to ssh in the past so this is a user that you know you Whatever user you use to SSH to the box for this tutorial, go ahead and you know, you know that's the user you want to do this with. Um, if you have other users, go ahead and do it for them as well. But just make sure they can SSH or have SSH in the past, you know, just so that you know to rule out you know, you know any any issues. So run the command Google Authenticator, and if you need to know the path again, it's uh, 
forward slash user forward slash local forward slash bin forward slash Google Authenticator. What this is going to do is going to generate a, um, a couple things. You're going to have a verification key. Um, you're going to also have a URL um, and a verification code. And there are, this is the neat part about it. You're going to have some emergency scratch codes. Um, these emergency scratch codes are basically codes to be used in the event that you lost your phone or you know you've got a you know you've got a you don't have the ability to use the Google Authenticator app or something like that your battery died um, these scratch codes are one-time use so you know you use them and that's it um, the URL is basically uh, uh, the, it basically is a URL to generate the QR code you need um, in order to import the profile to your iOS or Android device. Now, um, you could you could just manually type in the secret key, which is the same. You know, it's instead of having to use the the QR code, you you'll type in like this 15 or 16 digit secret key. Um, which is no big deal. It's just that with the uh, with the QR code, I find it a little more useful because it automatically puts in the username and server name. So instead of you having to manually put that in too, so you know, up to you and, and, and your abilities. So so anyway, uh, so now you've got your Google Authenticator secret key and your the URL if you want to use a QR code. Um, you have your emergency scratch codes and um, you know you're good to go now uh the next thing now you got to do is just put in that secret key or put in that url on a web browser and go to your android or ios device and from your android or ios device uh you will simply open up the google authenticator app uh, go to the settings and set up an account manually add an account scan a barcode or enter provide a key however again however you're gonna do it um, use the Google goggles on your iOS device um, or whatever QR whatever QR scanner you got for your iOS device um, Google goggles on your Android device and then um, you point the phone to the QR code from your web browser that's that's displayed on your web browser after putting that link after going to the link that was provided to you and Boom, it's going to be imported and you're going to see it there with the username at the server name. Um, you know, that's it. Uh, you now have implemented two-factor auth and you've generated a two-factor auth profile um, using Google Authenticator. Um, a, few, a few tidbits before we test this. Um, when you run the Google Authenticator command, there's a couple of... Uh, questions it asks you. Uh, one of them is, uh, do you want the tokens to be time-based? Um, I say yes, uh, because if you have multiple devices like I do, um, it's beneficial for them to be time-based because then uh, what happens is you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about the devices needing to be in sync. Um, so, meaning not, not, not in sync with time, but in sync with the series in which I use this code today on this device, so that means I got to match up the other device to the series number that device A is on. 
um, with the with the time based, all I need to make sure is the time is correct on my phone, and that's it. I don't have to worry about anything else. So that means I can have four, five, six, seven, ten devices um, with running Google Authenticator, so that if the battery runs out of one device, I got another device that can still provide me the authentication that I need in order to get to my server. Uh, another question it asks you is that do you want to disallow multiple uses of the same authentication token? Um, and I say yes to this as well. Uh, I do, you know, I just want this to be one time. Um, so if the token's used, that's it. That that means that if someone tries to eavesdrop on my on my communication, and, <clears throat> and um, they see that I used you know the six-digit pin, they can't go back and try to SSH with the same username to the same server trying to use the same one-time pad. Um, that's it. You know, therefore. I have to wait every 30, that means every 30 seconds after I use one, I have to wait for the next one, which is no big deal. You know, that that's, you know, RSA, Secure ID, um, uses that same concept. Uh, by default, tokens are good for 30 seconds, and in order to compensate for possible time skew, um, okay, so the third question it asks you is um, uh, time synchronization issues. Uh, if I want to extend the window of when, which tokens could be used so basically in a one minute and 30 second window I can use if my phone is is bat is off by one minute I can still use the token that was from one minute ago on my server um, you can extend this to uh, four minutes but again you know that's that's you don't really need that you know you can you know it's best to keep keep things uh, tight and at one minute and 30 seconds you know you you shouldn't have any issues um, if uh, the last question asked is, is pretty neat, if the computer that you are lo logging into isn't hardened against brute force login attempts, you can enable rate limiting for the authentication module. By default, this limit attack is no more than three login attempts every 30 seconds. Um, so basically, you can't you is protecting against brute force attacks, um, which is really good. Um, especially, you know, given that you're trying to, there'll be if you don't have something like this implemented against SSH, you know, they basically just have to crack six digits, you know, from a specific time period. And there's only, I believe, what is it like, ten to the six? So that's like one. I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I I pray yeah yeah yes 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 for all that. So. And then I get my secret key, and I get my URL for my QR code, and I get my scratch-off codes, and I'm good to go now. Um, so, you know, I hope this was informative. Um, I hope this stuff is really useful for any of you. And anyway, so now let's go ahead and test my SSH configuration. Um, just make sure, like I said, you have simultaneous connections to your server right now. You know, just don't sever those. Just open up a new, a new terminal and SSH to your server now and you should have a prompt for instead of it saying you know username at this server and your password it should actually say verification code um, and that's a good sign that means that um, everything's working as intended um, on CentOS I, I put mine as sufficient so I was actually getting the username at server with a password um, like I said don't worry, just go ahead and use the verification code um, because it worked with me on my CentOS box. It didn't prompt me for my, ver it didn't prompt me saying verification code. All it said was my user, my normal, like the normal login banner, which is username at 
uh, server in, in, in brackets with the password and the prompt there. So if that happens and you know you've implemented this correctly, go ahead and try the verification code and it'll more than likely just log you in. Um, I've noticed that if you don't restart SSH, uh, this is what usually happens. You don't get prompted. You don't get the verification code prompt. You get the normal SSH prompt. So uh, just make sure you went through the steps correctly and, and all that. Anyway, so now your SSH is in your box using Google two-factor off. The last thing I need for you guys to try, um, because just in case if some of you, you know, implemented the pluggable authentication module in a different application like su or sudo, go ahead and run the sudo however you surrogate yourself as root go ahead and do that right now um, because if you messed around with other files uh, while in, in, in the while trying to do this um, you know you, especially the su or surrogate files you know you may lock yourself out of being able to surrogate as as root user so go ahead and just do that real quick um, and you should just be prompted for a password go ahead and put your password um, and then you should be a root right now. And if that works out, then you should be good to go. That means, you know, you successfully SSH to your box using Google two-factor authentication um, with something you have and something you know. And um, you successfully um, uh, implemented the pluggable authentication module for SSH and only for SSH. Um, and as well as you've been able to, you know, deter any attackers from trying to gain access to your system via remote access through SSH. things um, before you continue is uh, to make sure that when you use the the URL link the QR code um, use that link in a uh, private browser mode um, because if you don't then that link is going to show up in your web history and if a malicious attacker has if, if someone has gained access to your you know your Firefox Inc or Google Chrome uh, 
web browser, you, they can ultimately basically look in your web history and pull up your your QR code for you know whatever server you have and just basically you know mimic uh, you know that mimic that uh, QR code on their device and now they've got the uh, Google authentication uh, verification codes needed to access your server so just like I said pull up the uh, pull up a private browser mode or just don't even bother if you want it's up to you it's your discretion but you know this is just to keep security in mind and to avoid you know, any future incidents if someone actually gains access to to your information via a different avenue so you know just different things to think about uh, another thing too is uh if you have a web history if if in your uh, in your command line interface you keep a web history or not a web history but a, a, a command line history where like on a mac you can see you know the last 1000 lines or 500 lines displayed on your command line um, just make sure that that's cleaned up as well because you know the the URL the verification the secret key and all the emergency scratch offs are going to be displayed so just make sure after you do things like this that you clean up um, in any uh, uh, any places where this information can still be stored um, just because all it takes is for someone to gain access you know without even having to talk to you or you know or 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 even having access to your server so just something to keep in mind you know whenever you're doing these kinds of things is make sure you go into some sort of cleanup mode and you know you go back a few steps and you say you know can I generate that QR code in a, in a different fashion where it's in my command line history it's in my web URL history or or what or is it in my um, or if it's in my um, uh, my uh, clipboard history as well you know I got to be careful with that as well um, anyway um, other than that I think um, um, uh, I don't really have anything else I uh, I hope you guys didn't find this uh, too uh, you know I hope I didn't drag this on too 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 slow and I hope you guys really enjoyed or, or found this useful and I hope you guys implement uh, some sort of uh, two-factor authentication on your system uh, Google like I said Google authenticator is a really good um, module uh, pluggable authentication module there's another one called Barada or Barada I don't know if it's Spanish or some other word it does have an Android app called Gort G-O-R-T um, and it's the same concept as a Google Authenticator you can import multiple profiles the only downside is that it's not time-based it's a uh, it's kind of series based so the issue with that is um, if you use um, if you use a a uh, a, a code a one-time pad every pad that exists before that is deprecated meaning it you can't you can't use them they're disabled or you know removed from you know what the list you know so the issue behind that is if you have multiple devices then you you won't be able to actually use those multiple devices because you'll actually have to catch one device you actually have to make one device synchronized with the others um, and that means that if you used a hundred one-time pads on device a on device B you've got to catch up to the 101 
one-time pad, which is what the system is looking for. Because even though you may skip some to kind of be like, oh, you know, maybe I could, you know, skip some and I'll leave some one-time pads available. Uh, I'll start from 100 on this device and I'll start from one on device B. It won't work because everything below 100, below, you know, the hundredth time that you used it is going to be deprecated. Um, so uh, that's the one downside that I found to it. But again, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's still two-factor off. If you have one device, it works. No big deal. Get it on your system and use it. Implement it. You know, use these use these technologies and and, and harden your systems as best as you can. Um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope this was a very uh, I hope this was very useful. And again, I'll have a lot of uh, I'll have a lot of uh, the steps and and links on the show notes. And I also want to, like I said, I also want to in the future. Uh, talk about getting SSH hardened up on your systems and and what you can do to uh, to get your SSH server up and you know up with the times I guess and um, again you know thanks for listening uh, thanks for thanks for taking the time to 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 listen to Hacker Public Radio I also want to thank Hacker Public Radio and the community and the contributors for all you guys do and all the listeners out there um, have a great evening. Uh, Have a great new year, and thanks again. If you have any questions, you can contact me. Um, That's Beto at HaventFoundMe.com, B-E-T-O at H-A-V-E-N-T-F-O-U-N-D-M-E.com. All right. Good night, and goodbye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever consider recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRef projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.